As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standard. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Uh, Of course, that means I've been out here in Ashburn this week talking to the coaches, the players, and getting a sense of where this team is at heading into Sunday's huge game against the Cleveland Browns. As we know, Washington wins their last two regular season games. They are in the playoffs. If they don't, we'll see what happens. Uh, They could still get in even with one win, but life becomes more complicated. Um, What's not complicated is figuring out that this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, Of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. I spoke earlier this week with the great Rick Doc Walker uh, to get his view of where this team is at today, our weekly chat with former Washington head coach Jay Gruden, got his view on the big quarterback changes. Now Carson Wentz is starting for the commanders over Taylor Heineke. We also talked about a different quarterback, Derek Carr. Of course, Jay Gruden's brother, John Gruden, coached Derek Carr at uh, w- with the Raiders. And uh, you may have heard this week that the Raiders have decided to sit Derek Carr for the final two games of the regular season. This is less about performance and more about the future and his contract and things like that. Jay and I discussed all that and got his view on whether Derek Carr would be an upgrade for a team like Washington, who's got obviously some quarterback questions going forward, um, an interesting chat. And we got into, of course, a bunch of other topics about this team and around the league. So we'll, we'll get to that in a few moments here on the podcast, which, of co- again, uh, make sure you subscribe to so you don't miss any of the episodes. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic itself if you need if you have yet to subscribe, if you've been waiting to, thinking about it, whatever, this is the time to do it. Or if you want to get a gift for somebody, among the deals currently, a dollar a month for 12 months. It's hard to be do better than that. Go click on any one of my articles, and you will get that deal. I'll have a new article up on Friday morning about one of the quarterbacks, but probably not one. Not the one you're thinking about. No, not him either. Not even him. <laughs> check that out or of course go, go check on any of my articles uh talking about this team in recent days for that i wrote about the offensive line and how that group is going to be as important as the quarterbacks to a degree because if they can't hold up and pass protect better than they have been it's going to be tough for carson wentz to uh 
help this team move forward. In any event, that's what we've got going on here on the podcast. Let me just get to a couple items about where this team is at with injuries before we get to Jay Gruden. A lot of defensive backs were on the injury report this week. Among those not practicing on Thursday, safety Derek Forrest with an illness. Benjamin St. Just, uh, he did was a limited participant Wednesday, having played in the game on Sunday, but he didn't practice today because of uh, an ankle injury. I presume the same one. Cam Curl still limited with his ankle injury. Ron Rivera earlier in the week, though, said he thought Cam Curl was getting close to playing. Also, Percy Butler limited with a hip injury. I mean, that is an enormous amount of guys in that one secondary, potentially, or at least uncertain, going into this game. We'll see where we're at tomorrow for that. Others out. Wes Schweitzer, their starting center, out with an illness. Chase Young, for what it's worth, was a limited, or he returned to practice today in full after he missed yesterday's practice, meaning Wednesday, with an illness. So it seems that's three guys in the last you know, 24 hours who've been out with an illness. So we'll see if this thing becomes a bigger issue moving forward here. Non-COVID illness, I should specify. Um, others out, John Bostic with a pectoral injury. Bostic, uh, of course, has emerged as one of their starters following, uh, you know, it, it with Cole Holcomb out. Sadiq Charles remains out with a concussion. Um, Antonio Gibson, of course, he's missed the second day of practice in a row with a foot and knee uh, injury. Rivera previously called it a sprain. I don't feel, I mean, this is not based on any medical information, but just based on the tone of the situation, I don't feel great about Gibson playing this week. The good news is the Browns are one of the worst run defenses in the league this year, and Brian Robinson is obviously poised for a good day, if that is the case, a good day and a heavy workload for sure. Um, So, yeah, a lot of guys are out. James Smith-Williams, also out with a concussion. Same with Sadiq Charles, if I didn't already say that. Uh, so, yeah, a lot that going on there. We'll see how this unfolds tomorrow. You know, typically if the players aren't playing uh, by Friday's practice, they're often out. Uh, sometimes there's a last-second uh, decision, but often they're out. So we'll see which of these guys, particularly in the secondary, are able to play tomorrow uh, or practice tomorrow. The... You know, in in terms of the matchup with the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, I, look, Cleveland's at six, at six and nine. You know, they are talking a lot about trying to give Washington hell this week, and it's obviously a huge game for the collective NFC standings. Um, less so for the Browns, but obviously they're still trying to figure out what they've got here in Deshaun Watson, who has, um, you know, he's now made four starts since coming off of his lengthy suspension. He has not been impressive in any of them, really. Uh, he's he's only thrown uh, touchdown passes in two games, has two touchdown passes on the year with three interceptions. He is completing a mere 57.7% of his passes. Uh, all that said, he obviously is a good player. How much is what's go, he's going through is rust, because obviously he sat out almost the entire, most of the season. How much of it is his head is not completely there because of all that he's been dealing with for the last, uh, you know, couple of years regarding, um, you know, all of his legal, all of his legal matters. Um, so we'll see where he can go. They do have Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the league. That's going to be a problem. Amari Cooper uh, is one of their 
you know, is their top wide receiver. Obviously, people here remember him from his Dallas days. And on the defensive side, while Cleveland struggles against the run, they've got Miles Garrett, who is, of course, one of the elite pass rushers in this league. And we know Washington has struggled to deal with elite pass rushers this year. They just, the last couple of weeks alone, Nick Bosa um, for the 49ers and Kayvon Thibodeau, a rookie first-round pick for the Giants, both had their way against Washington's offensive line. Um, that's going to be a huge test for these guys because um, the following week, if Dallas is, a, is da- if Dallas is playing their full starters, we'll see if that's the case. Micah Parsons is out there. Uh, so if you get to the playoffs, there could be a rematch with the 49ers. They've got to shore up this offensive line. I, I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm still curious to see where Sam Cosme lines up this week. But uh, I mentioned Schweitzer is out. <laughs> if he's out, that's a whole other thing. Nick Martin would presumably start. So um, a lot in flux for Washington. But we'll see. Maybe by Friday it's not that big of a deal. But right now there are some questions about injuries for sure. Um, as far as the, the quarterback situation goes, obviously, you know, all eyes on Carson Wentz uh, this week. I'll, Jay and I talked about that, so we'll, I'll get to that in, in a minute. Um, we did talk both to Wentz and Heineke on Wednesday. And, you know, I think to Heineke's credit, he spoke to us. Didn't have to necessarily because he's no longer the starter and there's no obligation there. But he did. He's always been a pretty stand-up guy. And, look, he's obviously frustrated um, with the situation. He you know, he thinks he's done some good stuff, and obviously he has. You know, Washington was, what, 5-1 and one in his first six starts. But, you know, when they've lost, when they're 0-2-1 in their last three games, and the offense is still struggling in the red zone and struggling to score, a change seemed inevitable. Ron Rivera talked about wanting a spark. They went to Wentz, and that's where they're going from there. I think that the notion that the players are – you know, would be upset over this, I think is probably a little overstated. Heineke's been here, of course, since late in the 2020 season. He's made a lot of friendships and relationships. He's clearly a guy that people do respond to, like as a person. So no doubt there's some disappointment, I'm sure, from people in that locker room. But, you know, this is also football, and I think it's hard to not see, right, that Carson Wentz has got the bigger arm and and, and uh, you know gives you the chance to make more plays down the field. And we see with this receiving core – with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel, there's no shortage of playmakers. There have been a shortage of points. They made the switch to to, to Carson Wentz, and that's where uh, they're at right now. By the way, with Jahan Dodson, I was looking this up the other day. So he's got seven touchdowns now. And I was looking up the leaders because when he had four touchdowns through four games, he at that point was tied with Stephon Diggs for the most touchdown receptions in the league. So I look now, and he's tied at seven with guys like Tyree Kill, right, who's you know, arguably the best receiver in football. And so then I got to looking at it, you know, because Dodson missed five weeks. He's not catching like, you know, seven, eight passes a game. He, uh, you know, isn't targeted a ton, relatively speaking, to elite receivers because they have a bunch of guys and they don't throw it a lot. At least they haven't to this point. But I looked it up. He is actually leading the, the league in touchdown receptions per target. He's over 14%. Christian Watson, uh, the Packers rookie, is over 12%. They're the only two players with at least 50 targets to be over 10%. So just another impressive uh, nugget there on Jahan Dotson, who's really just, uh, you know, bit, bit, been fantastic uh, when he's been able to play and is only getting better and better, looking like a really good pick for Washington uh, for sure. All right, um, that is it here for the pre-game notes. Uh, we'll get to 
Jay Gruden here. If something comes up that's urgent, I will have another podcast this week. But otherwise, um, we'll get ready for the game against Cleveland. Again, check out The Athletic for my written work there. And, of course, follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. All right, uh, let's get to it. My conversation with Washington, with former Washington head coach Jay Gruden here on the Standing Room Only podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Uh, joining us as he does every week here on the podcast, former Washington head coach Jay Gruden, fresh off the golf course, ready to talk football. Uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year to you. How uh, how are things going in uh, in your world? Everything's going good. Happy New Year to you. Happy Happy New Year to everybody else. Should be a good one. Um. Did, when you were so you, you're you're currently in Florida. Did you enjoy watching the weather over the country for the last few days, uh, particularly like during some of these NFL games, and think you know what? I'm not. At least I'm not. Yeah, there. I'm, in, I'm in the right spot. It actually in Jacksonville. It actually got cold one day. I got down in the 30s, but uh, for the most part, we've been able to play golf every day except for maybe one or two. But uh, it was a little nippy for Florida for a couple of days. I mean, I think we may have talked about this before, but when you're standing on the sidelines, like, I mean, we see the players running around and, you know, they're obviously world-class athletes. They got, you know, they're at least running around to get some heat going. But when you're standing there and it's whatever they, whatever it was, 20 degrees, but it's like minus 10 and the wind is crazy. Is that just beyond miserable? Even if you have a job to do? It's miserable. There's no, there's no way around it. It's horrible. You can dress all you want to do but if you're just standing there and you're not moving around at all it, you freeze to death i remember we coached one i coached one year i was at the Bengals. we played at pittsburgh in a night game and it was at least 10 below windshield no wind was coming right off the river Ohio river whatever that plate lake is whatever it is over there and i could hardly even call the plays my teeth were chattering it was it was brutal yeah i mean you have to actually still like talk and i would imagine yeah. that would be yeah, I I don't I, I used don't. To, I used to pretend I, I'd pretend to go talk to my center on the hot bench, and I'd you know hold up my play sheet next to him and sit there and on the warm bench. Hey, I said don't say anything, just act like you're looking at this so I can sit on his bench. <laughs> hundred, oh yeah, I'm, I mean yeah, I I would do whatever I could a hundred percent. Um, well, well, I appreciate the time. We'll get to where things are with Washington coming off that San Francisco loss, going into the last two games, and obviously they've made. Uh, a quarterback change, but I, I want to talk about some other stuff first. Uh, and starting with uh, the Raiders this week announced that they are sitting Derek Carr for the last two games. Uh, it's interesting on multiple levels. One, they're doing this not so much because of play, although he hasn't had the best year, but because if his if he gets hurt, there's a there's a, there's a clause in his contract that would guarantee the contract for next year. 30 something million dollars they clearly are looking like they're going to move on so they don't want to do that for in case he gets hurt even though they're still sort of kind of in the playoff race as a competitor knowing that they're still in the race does it bother you that they decided to do this as opposed to actually trying to to win even though they kind of got long shot odds to advance well bothers you a little bit because it's Derek Derek is a great competitor uh he's a heck of a guy and uh and to pin this season on him makes no sense. You know, I, 
it'd be different if they had a backup quarterback they want to look at. I know Jared Stidham, I uh, did him coming out of college. I did like him. I thought he had some talent. Maybe they want to look at him for the last two games and see if he's a, a viable guy for next year if they do move on from Derek. Maybe they get two games if he's terrible and uh, they say, hey, let's just keep Derek and, and go from there. But maybe it's like a tryout for Stidham. But, uh, you know, it, it's just a tough situation for all people involved. Obviously, with sitting Derek, they must be thinking they're going to move on from him. But um, it's hard to – I mean – I don't know where they're going to think they're going to find a better quarterback than Derek, unless they think they're going to trade for Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that. Because Derek's pretty good. Yeah, I don't buy the Stidham as a thing. It's like I hear like there's this talk of like if if they had like you know fallen out, like give Sam Howell a shot. At least Sam Howell is a rookie who has not played. Stidham has been around for a minute. I know McDaniel had him in in uh, New England. I don't buy it. Yeah, but it is. It does seem like it's more about they're moving on from Derek Carr, which puts them in the boat that Washington found itself in last year, perhaps will this year as well. Okay. You're going to get another quarterback. Well, what, how are you doing that? And I think they gave up their first round pick right in the Devonte Adams deal. So they don't even have that. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe you're right. So I, I just don't understand it, but th- these teams that think they can move on from a guy like Derek Carr and get better, um, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. All right. So you, uh, you know, you, have paid attention to him over the years, obviously, and uh, you've probably watched more of him this year than I have. What did you see? I know it's not always just about the quarterback. There's a lot of other factors. What do you see? What did you see with him this year? Because it did feel like he had a bit of a down year for him. What What do you see from him, and how do you kind of still view him as a quarterback in this league? Well, I think he's a, a good quarterback. I think he gives your team a chance to win. There's uh... – there's a couple better than him. There's, I think the issue with Derek always has been that he doesn't create plays off schedule um, like teams want that you need nowadays with the line protection problems and some of these blitzes you see. It's nice to have a quarterback that can make some plays with his legs. Derek doesn't do that, uh, but he's still a good quarterback. He's smart. He's accurate. Um, and I just, I just, it, it, it's just hard because there's about six quarterbacks that are to upper tier. And then you got the rest of them that are good enough to win games for you. And then you got the others that you got very little chance to win more than four or five games with. Derek's in that group that if you surround him with good players and a better defense, he can he can lead your team to a lot of victories. I just don't understand why you would get rid of somebody like that when you don't have anybody else in the wings waiting. I, I don't know if this is a good comparison, but I, in my head, I've always sort of had that like he and Kirk Cousins were sort of in the same level. Kirk, maybe because yeah, I'm that's using, good, using... and that's a good level. It's not like it's a it's not like they're trash. I mean, these are good quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I my last couple of years, if we had Kirk, I mean, I think we would have been pretty, you know, we could have been pretty competitive, you know, but uh, or Derek. But, you know, as it is, you know, you, you start trying out. Let's get rid of him. Let's try to bring somebody else in. Let's draft the guy. Oh, good luck with drafting the guy, you know, and what free agents are going to be out there. Who are you going to get? You know, it's just it's just you don't mess around with that position unless you have a guy already there on your roster that you feel really good about or, uh, you know, you're going to get somebody via free agency. Maybe now, part- Tom Brady. Maybe get Tom Brady. I don't know. Who knows? Right, right. I mean, you know, people will speculate what the Raiders do. Brady, there was some rumor that he was close to going there last year. And obviously, with Devontae Adams there, maybe Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? But in terms of here, well, let me go back to Carr. Part of the issue with Carr is he, it's the money. He's going to be making well over $30 million next year. Huge cap hit that next year and the year after that. And then the question becomes, well, even if he is better than – a lot of other quarterbacks, is it worth, you know, the juice worth the squeeze if you're paying that much money for this guy? If he if he's on like a 30 something million dollar 
salary and cap hit next year. How do you weigh that? I know as a coach, you're not as focused maybe on the salary cap as the front office would be, but like, how do you factor that in? Is he, is he worth worth it if you could hypothetically sign? I'm making this up. Jacoby Brissett for 10, 12 million or, you know, or somebody like Andy Dalton or somebody like that. Is that, how do you weigh that? Well, I think you have to just figure out is Derek Carr head and shoulders better than what you have in the building right now? Um, And I I don't know about that. I think he is better than Jacoby Brissett. Yes. Um, There's, it's hard to, you have to figure out the salary doesn't match the play. And, the problem is most quarterbacks, if you're starting quarterback in the NFL, you're going to get a pretty damn good contract. You know what I mean? Um, and you don't want to mess around with these one-year contracts for $10 million or two years. You know what I mean? With these guys, because they're obviously not good enough to uh, take you where you want to go. Uh, you have to lean a lot on your quarterback. He's got to do a lot for your football team. Derek can do that mentally. Uh, he's been proven to be durable. Um, I would lean towards, yes, Derek would be an upgrade and uh, would be worth pursuing if I were at the Washington football team, even though his salary is high. Uh, But he's proven to be a pretty good quarterback over the years. Um, So, yeah, it's just you have to take a risk at that position to upgrade it year in and year out until you get that guy uh, like Mahomes or Josh Allen that's going to be your future for the next 10, 20 years. Not many guys are like that, but if you don't have them, you got to take some chances with some other guys. Well, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that that's that's what's going to be interesting here. We'll I'll ask you what you think about the Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke of it all. But like, first of all, Derek Carr has a no trade clause, so he could just tell the Raiders buzz off. I'm not going to any of these scenarios you want to come up with. I want you to release me. Basically, I want to hit for agency and then do what I want and probably get or perhaps get a, a better deal long term than the one he's on uh, now. But uh if you were Washington, do you think so? So Carson Wentz, if he were to come back on the same deal, would be about a twenty-six million dollar cap hit. I think we all think they would negotiate that down. But let's just say that's where they're at. You think Carr is worth uh, is a better player than than Wentz to that degree that you'd be paying more for salary, not to mention have to trade him? Do you think that would be a, a worthwhile investment? Right now, I would say yes. But let's let the last couple games play out. You know, I think if Carson shows up in the next two games and gets in the playoffs and does very well in the playoffs, then uh, I'd stick with Carson. You know what I mean? I think these next couple weeks are going to be gigantic for Carson's future here at the Washington uh, football team or commanders. Um, So, yeah. Um, So I think there's a lot to be still played out. Carson had, he didn't play great his first four or five games. He broke his thumb. Now he's back. Let's see how he does healthy when games matter a lot and uh, see how he does. That's the beauty of that Washington football team name. You can just say it, and it doesn't even matter that you were using the old name. It just they, they are they are a the Washington football team. It doesn't matter what their name is. That is actually what they are. So it works out perfectly. <laughs> um, before we go back to Washington, let me ask you a different question. Uh, Denver this week fired uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, obviously, an incredibly miserable season for them. Um, whatever the Raiders' disappointment is, Denver is worse because of the expectations that came from adding Russell Wilson, the investment that was made there, they bring in Nathaniel Hackett, had looked terrible from the start. As a guy who has been in that seat from from the outside, what did you make of what was going on there? And do you, were, did you think it was reasonable that they actually fired a coach before he even finished his first season? Well, it depends on the whole how did they get Russell, who was in charge of getting Russell to that team. Um, and give up all that capital and saying that Russell Wilson is going to lead us to the promised land when clearly he's not the same guy as he was 10 years ago. 
Um, so if Nathan Nathaniel was really pushing to get Russell there and they went and got him and they performed like they did, then, then probably he deserved to, you know, get fired, you know, but if Nathaniel had nothing to do with getting Russell, then I'd have a serious problem with it, <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, they definitely have underachieved in, 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 in a way that no other team has in a long, long time. And they've stayed relatively healthy as well, which makes no sense. They were the front runner in the AFC other than Kansas city, obviously um, before the season, everybody was picking them. And uh, they had some clock management issues early. Um, some, uh, and then their offense has just been, just been horrible to watch, you know, this can't do anything. So they had to make a change. And unfortunately they came at Nathaniel's expense. And I know Nathaniel, he's a good guy and a good coach. The, the question, of course, now will be who do they hire? And then the question on that will be whether you're Sean Payton, who has you know, seemingly all the options, or anybody else, is that a job you even want? And part of that is because Russell Wilson has looked so bad this year. Again, I know you're looking at it from afar. There is look Some guys look bad, and then they were able to rebound the next year. But he's, he's reached an advanced age for a quarterback. Do you see a guy who is – just out of out of juice, or do you give what percent chance do you give that he actually rebounds to a form that would make somebody think they could win with him? I, you know, just watching him play, I don't. He doesn't have a lot of confidence in what he's seeing downfield. He, he's uh, aborting plays too quick, and uh, he's not making the plays that he made outside the pocket off schedule like he did in his early years when he was really really good. Um, so that's the biggest issue he has. I don't think he can see very well downfield, anticipate throws like he needed to do in the NFL game to be a drop back passer. And athletically, I don't think he's where he was when he was really slippery and got outside the pocket, and made big plays outside the pocket. He's not doing that either. So if he loses that part of his game and he's re- relegated to a pocket passer, uh, he's going to struggle. And then that team's going to struggle for a very, very long time. That's what's so amazing to a degree about what's gone on here is that obviously Carson Wentz has been um, disappointing. I mean, he hasn't played a, a lot, relatively speaking, because of you know, how the season went. But, you know, for what they gave up, you know, they they were two and four and the offense was looking particularly good. And yet, as long as he doesn't completely fall on his face these last two games, and I think actually did well, he would have ended up being one of the better quarterback additions <laughs> this offseason yeah. because of how bad some of the plays have been around the league. Yeah, for sure. I still think the jury's out on Carson. These last two games are going to be critical for him and his future here anyway. Um, if he performs well, then I would imagine they'll re-sign him because, you know, like you said before, you can go out and overpay or pay for Derek Carr. There's not going to be many guys on the market. And Carson's a good quarterback. You know, when he first came in as a rookie, I thought he was going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league in four or five years. And he had a couple injuries with his back and his whatever else he had. He hasn't been the same, but he still is a big guy. He can really throw it. And uh, a lot of upside, in my opinion, still. He's still a young kid for the most part. So you've had to make these kinds of decisions, who to start, who to sit, all that kind of stuff. Two games left. They can make the playoffs if they win out. Uh, after a really good stretch, they're 0-2-1 in their last three games. The offense has struggled in the red zone. Um, in general, with Heineke, they're not scoring a ton of points. Yet they've been competitive. I mean, the, you know, they were even tied with San Fran at halftime last week. Heineke did played fairly well I thought um but they they're just not getting a lot going and Rivera said he wanted to switch to Wentz to get a spark if you were sitting in that spot obviously again you don't have necessarily every detail and and he said he spoke to the locker room and things like that what 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 was your sense of that move would you have stayed with Heineke or would you have made the switch 
Well, I don't mind the switch. You know, I think uh, Ron has to go with his gut feeling and what quarterback he thinks gives him the best chance to win these last two games. And if it's Carson, that's fine. The only issue I have is, you know, you know, when Dak Prescott got hurt and they went to Cooper Rush and Cooper Rush won three or four games and everybody's talking, hey, Cooper Rush should stay in. They went right back to Prescott because they knew he was the better quarterback. When Carson got healthy, they stuck with Heineke. Uh, I know he won some games, but if he thought that Carson was clearly the better quarterback, then they should have probably gone to him then. You know what I mean? And get him some more work if they thought that he was a guy that was overall big picture, the better player. That's the only issue I have, but I have no problem with him switching right now. I don't pin the game on Heineke last week. I thought Heineke played very well for three quarters. I really do. And then two plays that he turned the ball over, neither one of them were his fault, in my opinion. You know, the sack fumble, you know, they go max protection, two man route. Nobody's even close to being open. A play pass and the you know Bosa and the other guys got sprinter stand second and eight they're not expecting they're not playing run they don't care about a three yard dive up the middle and he got killed and the next one they run four verticals and and Brian Robinson was slow to get out and he looked like he was breaking out and stopped and and he threw the pick so uh it's just unfortunate because I thought Heineke had one of his better games actually but you know big picture if he feels like uh, uh Wentz is the guy then then uh go for it I mean I think he was the, Rivera was probably going to make this move anyway, but I will I'll just add that Heineke I think is pretty beat up after that last game that he didn't practice on Wednesday. I think for that reason, and he talked to us uh, a little bit yesterday in the locker room, and he admitted he's kind of beat up after that after that Niners game. Um, but he yeah, was out. That's, that's no brainer. Then it's a no brainer. You've got to play the healthier guy, even if you know without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, he was today. We're talking on Thursday. He was out there today doing his QB two rep. So back to that normal. But nonetheless, um, yeah, it was definitely a bit, um, a bit beat up. What do you think is the biggest, um, emphasis for this? For let's just say for Carson Wentz now that he is back in here, based on what you saw earlier, you've seen his career, you see, you've seen this team over the year. What do you think for him has got to be the biggest thing to keep an eye on to think about when he gets back out there? Um, just overall managing the game. I still think they have to be a run first team. They have to control the line of scrimmage in that regard. I don't think they're good enough to just say, okay, now let's turn into a three wide out. Let's rip the ball down the field. I know they have three great wide outs, but I still feel like they struggle in pass protection and they don't want to get in that type of game. Anyway, I still think their way of winning the game and their identity when they're successful has been power running the football between the tackles, getting second and eight, getting second, I mean, second and seven, second and six, get your play action going. Uh, and hopefully stay ahead of the sticks. Um, uh, but Carson does have the ability to rip the ball down the field on some of these play actions and get some bigger chunk yards. So I think that's the goal for them. Run the ball, some play action shot plays, and and then uh, obviously be more successful in the red zone. So to do all that, obviously he's not calling the plays Scott Turner is. I'm sure I've asked you some version of this before. How hard is it, though, to – if you were calling the plays to, 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 okay, this is what we need to do, but then to actually stick with it. And I don't know if the sticking with it part is because you get behind a, a score or two, uh, you, you, you see the receivers are making or open. You want to get them the ball. How, I mean, what's the challenge of sticking to it? Cause it feels like no matter what team it is, we always come back to this notion of they didn't stick with the plan. They didn't, they didn't keep doing X, whatever that thing is. And it often feels yeah. like running is what's the left behind. So how, how, what is the challenge there to stay with that? Well, the big issue is let's check out their front four. Who are we playing? Can we protect? They have Miles Garrett at Cleveland. They got uh, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence at Dallas. 
they better be balanced and they better be able to run the ball and control the line of scrimmage in that regard. If they turn into a drop back passing game, Miles Garrett might get 38 sacks. Um, so they have to protect the quarterback. They have to protect the offensive lineman. They got to let them come out of their stance and, and pound some people, uh, let them have some fun doing that. And then when they have to throw, they got to make sure they get some help on those uh, edge rushers of Cleveland and Dallas. So um, I think, I think the plan's clear right now because anytime they've had success, they've been able to run the ball. Brian Robinson gets his 18 to 25 carries, whatever it is, or, uh, you know, McKed, uh, um, Gibson will get some six or seven carries. That's the strength of their game on offense. They control the clock. They keep the defense fresh, and the defense comes out with a lot of energy and plays well. So um, they don't want to have some three and outs and eat up like 12 seconds of the clock and put their defense on the field right away. It'll be a long day for them, whoever they play. I mean, I think that's the counter. Like I've been, I've been using the, the narrative of Wentz gives them a higher ceiling on the offense because he can make the bigger plays down the field. But the difference is Heineke was able to give them the 10, 12, 14 play drives. That's a, that's a hard way to go, but it does move the chains and keeps, keeps the clock going, keeps the defense fresh. And I think obviously they weren't doing that enough earlier in the year. So I think that's going to be uh huge uh, for sure. Um, last thing on the quarterbacks whatever anybody wants to admit this or not part of why they're looking at Wentz is to see is he potentially going to be their guy next year or not because right now clearly you can't make that call is there realist I mean look if they go on a run and win a game in the playoffs that's a different story but realistically whether it's two or three games is there anything that he can do to actually make you think that he should be their starter if you were in the position of making that decision or is it really just not enough runway here again outside of them winning a couple games in the playoffs I mean, you got your, you got your stuff you've seen on tape in the first few weeks, and what you've seen in the off-season program, uh, training camp, and OTAs, and all that stuff. And now, let's see how he does in crunch time situations. And got to have it wins. Uh, he's going to be in some critical situations on third down in the red zone, backed up, uh, short yardage, whatever it might be, uh, scrambling, running the ball for first downs, critical plays. Uh, these two games against Cleveland and Dallas, I think, will tell the tale on his future quite frankly. And then if they do get in the playoffs, they should get in the playoffs. Let's see how he does in the playoff game. Let's see how he, see how he fares under that major pressure. But each game against Cleveland and Dallas, these are pressure-packed situations for them to move on. And uh, that's what the NFL season is about. I think if anybody would have said, hey, we're going to give you the last two games of the year. If you win one or win both of them, you'll be in the playoffs. I think everybody would have taken it before the season. Right, and now here, right. Yeah, so now here they are. This is why they signed Carson Wentz, right? So this is uh, his time to shine. And if he does, then uh, I think you stick with him another year or two, see how he does. Uh, let me switch to the other side of the ball. Uh, San Francisco is a really good team, obviously, so it's hard to get too worked up over losing to them, of course. They did, get, get, did give up 37 points, which was the most they've given up this year. Um, some of that was because they were getting, you know, San Fran was scoring after those turnovers late, but the defense was holding them to – field goals but they were giving up a lot of big plays as well uh the 71 yard touchdown run brandon Ayuk had like a 50 something yard catch and run uh george kittle was dominant down the middle etc uh what did you see on that and because earlier in the year they were giving up a lot of big plays i think they kind of yeah. seemed to solve that when william jackson they kind of moved him on moved him out they yeah. obviously didn't have cam curl so i don't know I, I think that was a big issue but what was your take on the defense and why they seem to struggle so much well, the first long touchdown run to the wideout, uh, I forgot the wideout's name. That was just horrible run fits. I mean, horrible. They had safety had a terrible run fit. Uh, they had two guys in the same spot, and, and, and it was it was terrible. That was just inexcusable. That wasn't on the coaching. That was on the players. So it was bad angles by everybody. 
bad pursuit. Uh, the, the touchdown down the middle, that was a blown coverage. I mean, I mean, they had two guys wide open right down the middle of the field. You know, they tried to disguise a cover two intent, let the corners play the deep half and the free safety was playing in a Tampa two situation. He was playing where the Mike linebacker normally would be, but he didn't get enough depth. And uh, the guys ran right over his head. And, uh, and then the other one was just poor tackling, poor angles. They ran a naked bootleg and, and Mayo, I think his name is 51, uh, just totally blew it. And, uh, they didn't tackle, get the guys on the ground. So I think their biggest issue in that game was uh, tackling run fits and then obviously a blown coverage. You can't have that against a team like San Francisco. Um, you know, we talk about Cam Curl a lot, but we, whenever we talk about the defense, we start with the linemen. It seems to me it, it, like in the in the three games he's missed this year have been some of their worst defensive games of the year. That was the first two games, Jacksonville, Detroit. And then he came back in week three, but you know, you got to figure he's taking a second to get acclimated. Um, those three games and this last game were their worst, uh, the games they've given up the most points, or I forget what I, they haven't been good. We'll just say that. Um, Cam, Cam Curl is going to be in the Terry McLaurin situation where next year will be his, his last season. I think they got to figure out a way to extend him and not let, not play this out and let him even sniff free agency what do you what do you kind of see him uh, like th- i guess in a game like this does his value stand out more by almost not playing yeah i agree i think uh, when you take out a guy like that who makes so many plays uh, in the running game and in a passing game uh he, he's a force to be reckoned with um in the box uh you know outside um playing coverage he's a solid player and uh he is missed when he's not out there and he's a guy that safeties are hard to find, especially safeties that can play in a box and do the things that he can do versatility wise. Um, they're hard to find. I remember my first couple of years, we couldn't find safety to, we couldn't find safety anywhere. You know, we had to sign Ryan Clark one year. He's like 38. We had to sign, you know, we signed uh, Gibson. Uh, he was a little bit older. We, we tried, you know, but they're hard to find. It's, it's a position that uh, is, is everybody kind of downplays. I can find a safety anywhere until you play and you don't really have a good one. Um, and then when you do get a good one, um, you realize how important they are. Yeah. It seems kind of like the situation with guard this year that they've kind of gone through where, you know, we just downplay the guard position. And then this year <laughs> you don't have yeah. uh yeah. you don't have pro bowler. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh wait, they kind of need a guard. Yeah. I need a guard kind of need a little bit of everything. But yeah. But that, that's that. I mean, there's, there's so many positions that get down great, you know, you know, we can get one guy off the streets and then, and then, and then you realize come game day, they're getting blown up and, not giving your quarterback a chance to set his feet or safeties are getting run by and they're missing tackles and having horrible run fits. And like, you know, so those guys are hard to find. By the way, speaking of your former defensive backs, did you see Josh Norman is back in the league? I saw that. My guy, I like Josh. Josh is a heck of a guy. I mean, he's a good player. And uh, you know, he's not, he's not probably a guy you want to match up against number one receivers anywhere more, but he can play zone coverage as good as anybody. And um, he's tough and can force some turnovers. Can't run like he used to, but uh Good solid corner if you're playing some zone coverages. I uh, J- Josh was always very good to me, so no, you know this is a very uh, pro Josh Norman uh, podcast. But he definitely was a guy that was like looking at life very differently. It felt like than most of us. Did you, yeah, did you... out that he's really he's a good guy though. He's he's uh, a little bit different. You know, you got to really understand Josh and get to know Josh. Um, when you do, he's he realize he's a pretty good guy. Um. 
fair enough. What, what, uh, what, anything else for you? I mean, not so much do I care about this point about the 49ers game, but is there anything for you as you're going, as they're going in here to these last couple of games, uh, Cleveland, and then we don't know what Dallas is going to look like. Presumably that game will still matter for Washington. I don't know about if it will for Dallas. Is there anything for you that stands out? I mean, to me, the offensive line, it's just been the mess all year and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. And I don't know if they can get better, especially in pass protection, but other than that, is there anything else for you that kind of stands out that is going to be of big importance over these last couple games? I just think they have to get back to who they are. And uh, I think it's clear that they play their best football when Brian Robinson and the running game is a major part of that. Um, It helps the defense out. It helps the quarterback out. It helps the offensive line out tremendously when you can run the football between the tackles or get outside your jet sweeps or whatever. Um, And then, Obviously, when you have to throw, you got to throw it, but and then mix in some play actions. But I think their identity is play good, solid football, protect the ball, eat up some clock, uh, play the field position game, and win ugly. Um, and there's nothing wrong with winning ugly. Winning is a beautiful thing, whether it's 17 to 13 or 38 to 35. I prefer winning, doesn't matter. And their best way to win is those games that are 17 to 13, 20 to 17, whatever it might be. Wait, I forget. I lose track of time. You had Minshew, right, when you were in Jacksonville? Yeah, I did have Minshew. So what do you think of him? Because I, I mean, he may not play this week, but it's also interesting, like, to the, the point of when he has a game like he did, at least from a statistical perspective, does he somebody that, like, gets thrown into the quarterback discussion next year or possibly wherever you view Heineke or, or maybe better? I don't know. Uh, what what do you think yeah. of him? And is he somebody that, like, has maybe reminded people he should be at least debated for a starting job next year? Came off the bench last year, played extremely well uh, for a game. And then this year, obviously, played pretty good against uh, Dallas uh, last week. Um, you know, Gardner's issue when I had him, um, he had a little bit of arm issues when I had him. He played really good against Indianapolis week one, really good against Tennessee week two, really liked him. And then he kind of just fell off a little bit. I just think something was wrong with his arm a little bit. Um, so we had to go to Jake Luton. We had to go to Mike Glennon. And then we went back to Minshew later on. Um, but he's a good, solid guy. Um, he's competitive. Uh, he's tough. Uh, you love the fiery personality that he has. Um, he does have some, probably some issues with arm strength and all that stuff, but, and you probably always going to want a little bit better, but he will be in the talk when some of these teams hit free agency and they need a quarterback because there aren't many out there. And Gardner has proven to play pretty well in some crunch time games. Um, Jay, I appreciate it as always. Uh, happy new year again to you and yours. Hope, uh, you're, uh, going to be, uh, safe and have fun whatever you're gonna do i'm not worried about you having fun that that's pretty much your uh your 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 standard position but you know i I can figure that out i like to live life a little bit (laughs) (laughs) just a little um well awesome man i appreciate it as always we'll talk next week if you're around and we'll see what we're at here washington could clinch a playoff spot they could be eliminated or we may be waiting for week 18 to determine everything so uh fun stuff to be had we'll see what happens All right. Hey, have you ever seen a situation where, you know, a game in week 17 means nothing? The teams can rest their guys until week 18, like Jacksonville, uh, Tennessee. I mean, that's crazy. I don't even know how it rest your players. Do you? uh, So, yeah, it's just very interesting. Like tonight, if I'm if I'm uh, Tennessee tonight, I'm not playing anybody because it doesn't matter. They're not. They just announced. I mean, they've already said Derrick Henry's out. Jeffrey Simmons is out there best, you know, their version of Jonathan yep. Allen. Um, and I just saw while we were talking, they're not even starting Malik Willis, the the rookie who, who's been playing with Tannehill's out. They're going with Josh Dobbs, who I guess is their third guy. So they're not going oh, with anybody. Uh, he's a great 
person. My goodness. I mean, he's, he's a guy you want to marry your daughter. I mean, he is incredible. He's smarter than smart as hell. He's a great guy and he'll play well. I like Josh, but it's just a crazy situation. Yeah. Super, super weird that, yeah, it doesn't matter what either of those teams do. And I wonder what it'll do for Jacksonville this weekend, because if it doesn't really matter, do you you risk playing Trevor Lawrence? I mean, you know, Oh, Oh, no, I'm not playing the quarterback. Oh, give them a week's off. Give them some of your, you know, you can rest your two tackles. They got two really good tackles. They need some rest and uh, rest of your key defensive players. If you have enough guys to play, I'd play those other guys and get ready for that matchup against Tennessee. But that said, like, what do you, do you, what do you believe in momentum? Because one thing that's been interesting is like with this team. Momentum doesn't matter until week 18. So you can win week 17, 58 to nothing and feel really good about it. But but if you lose a couple of your key players going into week 18 against Tennessee, uh, you'll have major regrets. If your best players aren't healthy and on a field week 18, um, you'll be sick about it. You want your, you want your best players available uh, for week 18. That's all I know. Yeah, I hear. Well, I guess I was looking at, like, say, from this perspective, right? They tied the Giants right before the bye. Then they go on a bye and have lost two in a row, which I'm not saying that that would have been any different, but they were on a really good run, obviously. And then yeah. you don't play. And so Jacksonville's been on a good run. And that's why I was just wondering is there something to be said for, play, you know, playing it like treat it like a, a preseason game, like play them the first half or play or something and then get them out just to keep it going? Nah, get them healthy, get them, get them to week 18. well i know fantasy football owners are miserable to hear this if you got derrick henry or one of those guys that's terrible but what are you gonna do um appreciate it man uh have fun and we'll uh we'll see what happens tonight Uh,